Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you so much that you would take 1,500 years to explain yourself to us, that you would lay out your gospel and your plan of redemption to us through the lives of people and giving us the opportunity to see in relationship how your truth interacts with our world. Lord, you gave us a perfect world. You gave us perfect bodies. You gave us perfect relationships with you and with each other. And we marred it. And then you stepped into our world and slowly taught us as humanity about your righteousness and your love and your grace. And Lord, the pivotal moment where you made history into your story was when you incarnated yourself in your son. Lord, please allow us to pivot every day on that as we're reminded to pivot each year on it. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we have a greater hope than those around us that, that might become frightened by, by acts of terror on our shores. We thank you, Father, that this is not our home, that we are citizens of heaven, where we will uh, stand and celebrate with citizens of all other earthly nations who know you as their Savior, bound even more tightly together by the fact that we are citizens of your place. Lord, we pray that you would uh, touch us again um, by the fact and the way that you, you touched our world uh, with your Son. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. I was, had one of those surreal moments that you might experience during the, the Christmas holidays or maybe it doesn't, you know, uh, influence you at all or maybe it's just me. Um, I, was, I was in Walmart and, you know, um, and uh, I hear over, over the PA system, oh, come let us adore him. And, and of course, it was done by, you know, some... You know, it, it seems like all the carols, each band, whether they be Christian or secular or whichever, you know, tries to redo them in a different nifty way. But I hear this kind of rocky, oh, come let us adore him coming over the speakers in Walmart. And I'm just I'm realizing, one, this is so significant for me, and two, how this is just passing over the majority of the people there. It, it makes me almost want to kind of ask the cashier or ask the person next to me, do you adore him? Not, not in a way of causing guilt or something like that, but just like he is adorable, I guess that would be the term. But he's, he's worthy of our adoration. I mean, do, do, do they adore him? The chances are the person is more likely to adore Jesus the baby in the manger than Jesus on the cross, right? And maybe that's part of why 
um, our culture still embraces Christmas because it's how can you not adore this baby in a humble manger? But we know, uh, as, as with the men, as we are reading through 1 Corinthians right now, um, uh, that as 1 Corinthians 1 puts it, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. And that may be why, our, while our culture embraces Jesus the baby in a manger, Jesus on a cross as our Lord and Savior seems like foolishness. Certainly, they're more likely to, to adore the baby Jesus in the manger than they are to adore him sitting on his throne as Lord, requiring or being deserving of our worship. We're told that for sure that the world will not be adoring Christ when he comes in power to set, to, uh, when every eye will see him. To set up his earthly kingdom, as we're told in Revelation 1.7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those whom pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth, they're not going to welcome him. It says they will wail on account of him. Then he goes on to say, even so, amen. Over these three weeks, we're asking the question, why this Jesus in a manger? Why this Jesus in a manger? Why, what did he come to do? Why did he come in this way? Why was it important that he came as he did? We're not necessarily looking at the condition of his coming, though these things are are, um, beneficial to examine and look at. <clears throat> the fact that he came in a manger. Why was it in a manger? Or why in a stable? Why poor? Why did he come when he did? We're not necessarily looking at these aspects of why this Jesus in a manger. We're more looking at why he came as a man. Why he came born as a baby. Why was it necessary that he live an entire life for us? This morning, we're looking at the fact that the way Jesus came allowed him to be for us the solution for sin. You know, the Old Testament and the Gospels really roll out like a gospel track. And and I think as as whenever I think of of explaining the gospel and things, I, I love what I picked up as a youth pastor, a little the the anagram that came from Dare to Share. A ministry. And, and you'd probably recognize it just because I draw on it so much. God created us to live in relationship with Him. That's G. Right? Our sins separated us from God. Sins cannot be paid for by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E. Everyone who believes, believes, places their trust in Jesus' death and resurrection can have eternal life. And L, life that's eternal starts now and lasts for forever. And if you look at kind of the way the Old Testament unfolds, it kind of, looking at it, we can answer the question, why did Jesus come as he did? That God created us to live in relationship with him, but our sin separated us 
from God. And today we're looking at the idea that Jesus is the second Adam. And, and as, it, as it continues in explaining the gospel, we're told that, that sins cannot be paid for by good deeds. And so next week we're going to be looking at the fact that we had God's moral law, at least a, a semi-form boiled down for us as humanity that that maybe we could comprehend his moral standards and there's no way that we could keep it. And God took centuries to explain to the world that sins cannot be paid for by good deeds because the sin that is within us keeps us from doing any deed that is good enough. So we'll be looking at that next week. And the third, second week from now, the third week of looking at this, uh, Joe will be bringing a message to us and looking at the idea that, that God packaged his redemption in his son in a way that through the prophecies that he had, had proclaimed hundreds of years prior that only Jesus could meet those. Only Jesus could do it. Along with the question, do you adore him? We could ask someone, does it bring you joy because the Lord has come? Because we sing that, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Or do you believe that Jesus' birth does mean peace on earth, mercy wild, because God and sinners are reconciled? The world will just let these words just roll off their tongue or just, just hear it. It's just, just the practice, just a part of our culture. But for those of us who know Christ as our Savior and, and have a relationship with Him through His Holy Spirit, these words, gods and sinners, reconcile. I am reconciled to you, Lord. It should be a reminder of our gospel relationship with Him. So my hope is to better equip you for, in some ways, for talking with others about who Jesus is in this season of greater openness, which is Christmas. And just, just to remind you, there's three questions that can open up someone's worldview, someone's uh, spiritual journey to you that would allow you to hear them and maybe open them to hearing from you. And those questions are simply, where did all this come from? Where, where did we come from? Where did this world come from? Where do you believe all this came from? Second, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with this world? And three, how's it fixed? And I would encourage you to even ask, if you're, if you're wanting to, Talk with somebody during this Christmas season to just start with those questions, asking them what they think. And maybe the Holy Spirit will open their heart and mind to hear from you as well. So this is a naturally time, a better time for, for discussions about Christmas and, and what it means because it's on everyone's mind. I mean, you walk into Walmart and you'll see a sign that says, 19 days left. There's significance here because Jesus is the answer to all of these questions 
that Christmas might bring to people's minds. The baby Jesus is the incarnation of the answer to the sin that began with Adam. You might remember uh, <clears throat> back at Labor Day, we, we uh, looked at the fact that, that God created us good and sinless, and with each process and with the creation of man, God said, it is good. And sin came into the world. We brought sin into the world. And we took that good relationship with God and that good relationship with each other, that intimacy with God and that intimacy with each other. And we were warned with what sin would do. And and with our choice, with Adam and Eve's choice, to do what God had told them not to do. They brought sin into the world and they brought death into the world. And you know what? Every single one of us would have done the very same thing. They brought separation into relationships with God, separation into relationship with each other, objectifying into their relationship with God, objectifying one another rather than intimacy. And you may or may not be familiar with the idea that Jesus is the second Adam. Let me say this. This is what we're focusing on today. And it comes simply enough through 1 Corinthians 15, 45, which says, thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Life-giving is a characteristic of God alone. He alone is self-existent, meaning no one gave life to him, but he gave life to everything else. Even life in form of energy to the stars. That energy that was breathed out when he said, let there be light. And they'd burn with megatons of energy every second. 1 Timothy 6.13 tells us, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Romans 4.17, in it God is described as the one who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, for as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And let's look at what Romans 5 has to say about Jesus bringing life into our mess. Starting verse 12, and these are the kind of broader context of of in our first idea here we're just going to take from it. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, And then if you jump to verse 5, but the free gift of God, the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. 
And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So, so the sin that they're talking about is, is the sin that brought all sin into the world. It brought condemnation to all man because we all sin in the pattern of our forefather, Adam. But the free gift of Jesus' death and resurrection brought justification. So where did I leave off here? I'll pick back up in 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, being Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. We're looking at this morning the fact that living as Adam living as living as Adam or we should have I'm sorry if that's kind of confusing Jesus living as Adam or we meaning and I, and I want to because I want to tie in there Adam represents us I mean he was a literal person but as I said being made in the image of God and being given a choice he is also what we all would have done Living as Adam or we should have lived, Jesus offers us life through his righteousness. So we saw in verse 12, it says, Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. In verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. As we're told in places like Romans 3.23, we're reminded that all of the world sins. Everyone falls short of God's glorious, righteous standard. Every person is born as a warped reflection of the image of God. We are created in the image of God, but the reflection that we now present is a warped reflection of His image. Every person sins because of the fact that he or she is born as a sinner. And we know that death comes to every man and woman through sin. Without sin in the world, we would be living forever in perfect relationship with God and in perfect relationship with each other. You know, unlike Adam, Jesus was surrounded by sinful people. Right? I mean, Adam was born into a perfect world with a perfect wife perfect animals. Jesus was born into a sinful world, 
surrounded by sinful people. You know, his parents left him behind on vacation. We'd be like, yeah, I believe you care about me. Do you remember the time you left me in Gatlinburg? (laughs) Drove back to Crawfordsville? They were like, where's that kid? I don't think that would just roll off our backs. He had sibling rivalry and disrespect. His family sent word to him that he should come back to the house. Come back. You're embarrassing us. We're told in Hebrews 4.15, and you've seen this in your small group studies, Jesus was in every respect, he in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The righteousness that was put on display during Jesus' life was ultimately affirmed in his death on the cross. This was an act of righteousness that Romans 5 is referring to here. But it came as it was necessary after a lifetime of righteousness on a level that is only possible to be lived by God himself. And, and though our very being has been stamped, condemned as sinner, because of the sinners that we are, because of the full righteous life of Jesus from baby to grave, our second Adam gave us the opportunity to rewrite our history and the failure of our ancestry. And we're told in Ephesians 2, verse 1, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And in verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. We simply can't get away from the fact that we are fallen We are tied to the sin of our ancestor Adam and everyone who came after. You know, Hannah was uh, celebrating the fact that we can park our car in a parking lot and not have to pay someone to guard it. That's how fallen humanity is. Um, Christmas doesn't change our fallen nature, right? Right? I mean, I have to set up the Christmas tree and put the lights on it completely separate from when we pull all the decorations out and get the stuff on it because I get irritated with this tree and the stand and the lights and I don't want ornaments coming at it, you know, until I'm ready for it because I know I'm fallen and I will mess up that Christmas moment in a heartbeat because I'm a sinner. Don't judge me. (laughs) We all have memories of being like, you know, maybe hearing from our spouse or our our kids, great Christmas moment, dad, or, you know, something like that. It's like, let's try to, you know, salvage this. I'm reminded that creation has fallen. You know, I don't know if your dog got out of the backyard this week and perched its head into the neighbor's 
front window and barked at their dog inside. <laughs> and then when the nice little old lady came to the door to be like, oh, you know, where, where's your the little boy that's supposed to be playing with you, you know, and the dog runs between her legs, goes into the house and proceeds to bark at their dog in their house. We live in a fallen world, <laughs> surrounded by fallen people and fallen animals. <laughs> Jesus lived a full life from baby to the prime of life for us so that he can give us life. He's our second Adam. He's our second chance. And he knocked it out of the park. Secondly, we see that living as Adam, or we should have, Jesus offers us life through his resurrection. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 45. He's talking about um, Christ's body, Christ's glorified, resurrected body, and, and ours that we have to look forward to. Where he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, as we've seen, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. So whereas the first Adam should have been the first to live eternally on earth, being the first living human, Christ, the second Adam, had forged, he's forged the way for us to live eternally in glorified bodies. He did it right. And this has come through his, his righteous life and death. It's come through his eternal and all-powerful being, enabling him to be our life-giving spirit. It's come through his resurrection being the first fruits of our hope that we have to look forward to in glorified bodies. But first, he had to take on frail human flesh in order to be our Savior God who lives in human flesh forever. He lives in our flesh forever as our Savior in his glorified body. It's the glorified body that Jesus lives in that is the basis of our knowing that he is gone And he's there for us and will return for us. Notice the contrast here. We live in perishable bodies, prone to atrophy, prone to age, prone to getting out of shape, right? We don't get out of shape with any effort. It takes effort to get back into shape. We live in perishable bodies, but we'll be transformed to what's imperishable. I am going to enjoy that feast of the lamb knowing I'm not going to have to pay for it later, you know? 
We're, we are now dishonored in our bodies, filled with shame, filled with hurt from the past. We can be. We'll be transformed to glory, filled with light, filled with purity, filled with honor. We presently are filled with weakness. We're prone to temptation. We're limited in strength, emotionally, physically, spiritually. But we will be transformed to power, able to accomplish so much more than we ever, ever dreamed in power. We're natural. We're tied to this fallen world. We're tied to the laws of nature. We will be spiritual. This doesn't mean without a body. It means supernatural, existing beyond the bonds of this present natural world. Doing what we now consider miraculous on a daily basis. All of our future hope is possible because Jesus Christ became the second Adam for anyone in the world who would simply let go of their fallen attempts at salvation and grab on to him. Even the acts of terrorism that we see around the world and at home are sick, fallen attempts at salvation after this life is over. And unless someone lets go of their attempts to save themselves and grabs on to Jesus, they will not know what it is to be supernatural, to be filled with glory, to be imperishable. You probably seem kind of surprised to walk in this morning and see this front wall the way it is. <clears throat> I told the ladies that were involved, I, I'm, I'm planning on Sunday mornings the first time that I want to see it, you know, because I just kind of wanted to see it as you all do. Every slat of wood up here is repurposed, you know, and um, as I was told, some of them are brittle, and some of them are stubborn, and, and some of them are, are, have a little bit of rot, and some of them are, are beautiful on the exterior. Some of them are, are um, stained differently than others. In a lot of ways, these represent us. Stubborn, at times brittle, fragile, with a history, with a story, different shapes, different sizes, short, tall. <laughs> but in the meantime, we are made into something beautiful as we are arranged and brought together. Brought together as a fellowship of followers of Christ. 
We look forward to the day when that Jesus Christ will appear in his glorified body and will remake us into his image once again in our glorified bodies. And again, this takes place because he first took on flesh. Flesh and blood to live as we were created to live. There really is something to the fact that even unbelievers are drawn to the manger of Jesus each year. As I mentioned to start with, fallen man is much more comfortable with Jesus the Christ child rather than Jesus the judge or Jesus the forever king of the universe. Do you know that God the Father feels the same way about his son? He can't help but draw near to Jesus. He can't help because Jesus is dear to him. Because Jesus came as he did to draw, for us to be able to draw near to him in salvation, we are able to be near and dear to God the Father. Maybe this may, makes you think, some of you, of a hymn that says, a mind at perfect peace with God. And two of the verses say this, so near, so very near to God, I cannot nearer be. For in the person of his son, I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, more dear I cannot be. The love wherewith he loves the son, such is his love to me. In the person, in the baby of Jesus Christ, we have been given the opportunity for nearness and dearness to God the Father. And, and despite what we did to him in his death, he opens up his arms as our Savior, having paved the way for us to be in relationship with him, for us to be near to God, for us to be dear to God. And says, come and enjoy the relationship that I have with my Father. And it could not have been done without him coming as he did. You know, maybe this <clears throat> impacts you this morning in a, in a significant way that you would like prayer, that you would like um, for someone to, to be able to talk to. Uh, there will be someone here at the front Maybe, maybe you're just having a hard time seeing Jesus as uh, he is. Maybe you're having a hard time seeing yourself as he sees you. Maybe you've never known this Jesus as he wants us to know him. Any of that and, and any other reason is a good reason to talk and to be prayed for. Let's close in prayer. And the praise team will come up. Join us. Father.